you would touch us by your spirit and power. God, we thank you that we are not here by accident today, but by divine appointment. And God, as we've already heard, we thank you today that you're the greatest dad. And God, we thank you, God, that you love us, despite what we've maybe done and how we've disappointed you. God, you still love us because your word says you're still knocking at our heart. And God, what we do today is we open up our heart to you. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, you look marvelous today. Come on, marvelous, 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 marvelous. I, I, I think it's every, especially young boy's dream and every man's dream, even that you want to be that hero, that you want to save the day while little girls are playing with dolls and they're dreaming of getting married. We're dreaming about riding stallions. We're dreaming about going across the galaxy. We're dreaming about being that knight in shining armor. To be a hero to save someone's world. And that's what I believe a dad is. I've got to say this. My dad is my hero. I'm disappointed he wasn't able to be here. He's in England with my sister right now. But my dad is my hero. And I just want to honor him today along with every other dad. Your heroes. And for those of you who are mothers and single mothers, you're our heroes too because you're both a mother and a father. And we, come on, we salute you. We honor you. Come on, let's give it up for them today. Come on, yes, yes, yes. But I want to challenge every person, not just dads in this place. I want to challenge every person to be the hero that your world needs, to be the hero that your family needs, to be that marvelous dad for your family. You may say, well, I'm not a dad, but that's a future position maybe that you're going to have. And, and why not learn now while you can? And today I want to talk about a hero from the Word of God and probably someone that maybe you've never even heard of before. This is such an obscure story and such an obscure passage in the Word of God. And I want to take us there today because what we're going to read is most men's dreams. Second Samuel chapter 23, two verses, twenty. And 21, and it says, There was also Benaiah. In this passage, they are listing down the mighty men that served David, King David. I mean, mighty, mighty men. And it says, There was also Benaiah. He was the son of Jehoda. He was a valiant warrior from Cap, what? Cabzeel? Sounds like, I think that's the third galaxy or something, a planet in the third galaxy. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. And another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. What? He chased a lion into a pit. title of my message today is, I want some lion chasers. Come on, we're going to be talking about being lion chasers. In verse 21, and it says, And once armed with just a club, he killed an opposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hands and he killed him with it. Come on, Benaiah was a, wow, he's a mean dude. Anyone ever heard of Benaiah before? Very few of you perhaps have ever heard But what he did, this is stuff that movies are made from. But it's so easy in the comfort and in the confines of our life to perhaps miss the heroic deed 
that he performed and what he did. Because have you ever heard of or met anyone who is a lion chaser? I mean, you've maybe been to the zoo and you've seen lion tamers. Maybe you've been to the circus and you've seen people who tame or they're, not, or they're outside the cage with the lions or they're around them. But you've never seen a lion chaser for, for what reason? That's crazy. Come on, say with me. That's crazy. But I want you to meet one today. And the lion chaser I want you to meet today is you. Is you. Because I believe it's time to start writing yourself off. And being what God has called each and every one of us to be. The story doesn't give much detail. In fact, it's just like a parson. He did many things. And one day he went into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. It doesn't tell us what he was doing. It doesn't tell us where he was going. Even his frame of mind. But the scripture reveals his gut reaction. Because normally people run from lions. But not this guy. Let me give you some lion facts. That you've got to understand. Did you realize that lions can run up to 35 miles per hour? Can you believe that a lion can leap 30 feet? That's about to the sixth row of the church back from the platform that they can leap in one bound. A lion would weigh over 500 pounds of solid, pure muscle and strength. It's no wonder a lion is called the king of the jungle. But this is a moment in Benaiah's life I'm sure he looked back on and was thinking these words. Whatever was I thinking? Have you ever had those moments? Whatever was I thinking? But something inside of him that day rose to the challenge. But normal people don't chase lions. Normal people don't chase lions. So here's a thought for you today. I believe that God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. Do you believe that? Creating a purpose and destiny for our lives. Little did Benaiah know that day that there was a destiny, there was a purpose that he responded to. He looked back and said, man, why did I do that? That's crazy. Normal people don't do that. But that day, his destiny and purpose was drastically changed. And the problem is, many of us don't seize that moment. God is good at getting us where He wants us to be. Notice, God is good at getting us where He wants us to be, but the problem is this, we're good at getting ourselves where we don't need to be. Come on, let me say that again. God is good at getting us where we or He wants to be, but man, we have become masters at getting ourselves where we don't need to be. I want to give you seven points today that I believe from the life of Benaiah that we can learn in our lives to become a lion chaser. Point number one is this. The right place often seems like the wrong place. The right place often seems like the wrong place. In fact, I could take it one step further. The right time often feels like the wrong time. So the wrong place, the wrong time. But is it? Is it the wrong place? Is it the wrong time? Back to Benaiah. Encountering a lion is typically not a good thing because there is really one result of that and that spells death. 
You're going to die. It's going to be overpowering you. You're going to come to an end in your life. And I don't think anyone would have put a wager on Benaiah winning that fight. Come on, if they were taking odds that day, they were well stacked. No one would have put anything on Benaiah winning that fight. The Bible doesn't give us a blow-by-blow account. But when the snow has settled, there was one set of paw prints that went into the pit. But there was two sets of footprints because one went in and one walked out. Somehow the lion lay dead in the pit and Benaiah was still alive. Fast forward two verses to 2 Samuel 23, 23. It says, and he was honored more than the others. Speaking of Benaiah, he was honored more than the other members of the 30, which were David's great men, though he was not one of the three. And David made Benaiah, him, the captain of his bodyguard. See what's just happened? As unbelievable as it was, why would you go into a pit? What was it that drove you to that? But you see the wrong place. It feels like the wrong place, but maybe it's the right place because God was working on his resume. God used what he thought was all wrong to promote his life. No one apart from the king of that day, David, could lay claims to be a lion chaser. Because that's what David did one day when he was a shepherd boy. But what others saw as a problem, not Benaiah. It was his opportunity. Come on, guys. It was his opportunity. A bad break became his big break. Point number two. You've got to seize your God-given opportunities. What is that opportunity that presents itself to you? Notice I didn't say you've got to be an opportunist. We've got a lot of them. We've got to seize, though, the opportunities that God has given us. And many times those opportunities come disguised as man-eating lions. Something that we can shy away from. Something that we can question. Something that we can say, that's not where I belong and that's not what I need to do. But you've got to know when it's God and not the pizza that you ate last night. Because God desires to use your past experiences to prepare you for your future opportunities. I wish I had an amen in the house today. Oh, it's packaged. It's different to what you think it should be. God, can you not promote me outside of a pit with a lion? I think there's other ways that you can do that, God. Because it's packaged different to what we want it to be. But how we respond to them and how we react will determine our destiny. King David, when he was still just a shepherd boy, actually a messenger boy at this time, because he had been sent by his father to go and bring a message and see how his brothers were doing. In fact, he was a pizza delivery man. Do you know that? David was the first pizza delivery man in the Bible. Why? Because he was told to take his brother's bread and cheese. That's a pizza. You know what I'm talking about? So he's delivering a pizza to the camp. He's on a message. He's on an errand for his dad. See how your brothers are. But all of a sudden, he sees an opportunity. Everyone else is running and hiding. And David says, what will be done 
if this giant is silenced? What will happen? Why does he dare to define the armies of God? Why could David say, I can face that giant? Because David had already faced a lion and a bear. (laughs) Unnoticed. I think there's something here that we must see, and I know that kind of sounds crazy, unnoticed, but something we need to see. David has killed a lion and a bear, but probably no one knows about it. There wasn't social media, there wasn't pictures, he's not promoting himself, he's not front cover of the news and standing there with a lion and everyone's going, wow David, you're absolutely incredible. He's doing something completely unnoticed. So many times in life we only want to do the things that others note. And others see so we can get the recognition and we can get the praise of that. I don't know if that's a lion chaser or a lion poser. Because a chaser doesn't worry about what's seen. He's seizing an opportunity. No matter what he sees, he's going to benefit from it. He's taking the opportunity that is presented to him unnoticed. It's like the pastor who went out to play golf on a Sunday. He didn't feel like going to church, Don. And he says, man, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to skip church today and I'm going to go out and play golf. This pastor had played golf for 30 years and his dream was, if only I could hit a hole in one. Well, that Sunday he's skipping church. Guess what happened? (laughs) On the par three, on the seventh hole, he nails that seven iron and boom, he looks 70 yards. It hits the green. It rolls, it rolls, plump. And he's celebrating and celebrating and celebrating. And he said, God, why is there no one here to celebrate? You see, that's what God wants to do. He's out there when he shouldn't be out there. And there's no one to celebrate. And God said, you know why I allowed you to do that? Because you can't tell anyone because you were supposed to be in church. (laughs) You can't tell anyone. And sometimes God wants to do things in our life through our life, that we're maybe not going to get all the fame and the recognition from. But we've got to remember that God is in the resume building business. He's preparing us for the next test. He's preparing us for the next things that present themselves because Benaiah now is the chief's bodyguard. Because of what he did one day, he's now promoted. One day we read of this King David too, that he returned to his city Ziglag and it was burned and it was plundered and it was destroyed and everything was taken. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, it says David was greatly distressed. I'm sure he was. Everything they had was taken. But it gets worse. His friends, the loyal people around him, they spoke of stoning him because... The soul of the people, the Bible says, was so grieved. Everyone for his sons and daughters. Everyone had lost something. And they're blaming their leader. They're looking at David. But the Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Come on, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The the New Living Translation says, but David found strength. In the Lord his God. Literally, he encouraged 
himself. Here's what I want you to grab. David took back the opportunity. It looked like it had been taken. It looked like they were defeated. But David took back the opportunity. I'm telling you right now, guys, the opportunity is still there for you to seize it. You've just got to get into the right place. You've got to just step up and say, here I am. I can do that. I can take my position. The opportunities are still there. You've just got to seize the moment. And David inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered. Come on, God answered. You pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail you will recover all. Notice what David did. He asked God. He prayed. I I need God to take the lead in my life. Because I don't want to be an opportunist. I want to take the opportunities that God has. God, lead me today. Show me today. Help me to be the hero, the marvelous dad that my family needs. You see, David turned a bad opportunity into a God opportunity. But you've got to seize it. You can't just sit back and expect it. That's what a lot of people do. They just kind of sit back and expect everything to fall into place. Have you heard people say this? Oh, well, God's in control. We kind of just throw that out there. It's almost an excuse for us being so passive and not doing anything. Well, I'm just letting God have control. I believe in letting God have control. But God also says that you've got to do your part too. You've got to seize those opportunities. If not, they're going to pass you Bye. We can cower in fear, guys. We can run away from the greatest challenges in our life or we can chase down our God-ordained destiny and seize our God-ordained opportunities. I remember as a 20-year-old man, packed a suitcase, one suitcase. It was a big suitcase. It was before they weighed every suitcase and charged you for excessive weight. This suitcase was so big, it was one of those old ones without all the wheels on the bottom before those. Anyone remember those kind of suitcases? And it was so big that you could hardly lift it because the handle was so high on it that you had to kind of lift it here and it was like a struggle to lift. And I remember packing that suitcase. And asking myself, am I making the right decision? I'm leaving England, I'm coming to America. My whole life that I had and everything that I was taking into my new life was in one suitcase. I gave away everything else and I didn't sell anything. I gave it all away. And I remember even times later going back to my parents' house and opening a closet that used to be full. And here was like one shirt or one jacket that was left of everything that I had. That was a big day. That was a big day when other people looked and said, you're a fool, Philip. Everything's handed to you here. I had the opportunities over there to take over the church, to lead. That was my DNA, people thought. That was my calling. That was what was ahead of me. But I had an opportunity that I knew God had given to me. And I had to follow his calling. I said I had to follow his calling and lead. And I remember that day sitting on that plane. Saying, God, here we go. Here we go, God. Guide me. Lead me. And be with me. It was a scary line. It was a scary line. But you know what? Perhaps the greatest scare or the greatest risk is this. Are you ready? 
in taking no risk, may be the greatest risk of all. In taking no risk, may be the greatest risk that you ever do in your life. I didn't say being reckless. I didn't say just being out of control. But following God's call, Peter and the disciples were in a boat. It's the middle of a storm and the boat is going up and they think they're about to drown and they see someone walking on the water. They realize it's Jesus. Notice this, Peter didn't jump out of the boat until what? Jesus said to him, you better make sure that you ain't jumping out the boat until you hear the words come. And so we're not just seizing every opportunity, we're taking the opportunities that we believe that Jesus is saying to us, come, doesn't mean they're still easy. Jesus didn't stop the winds and the waves because the Bible says when he saw them, he began to sink. It was still happening. But we've got to step out, be obedient, follow God. What is he saying to you today? What area of your life is perhaps Jesus saying to you, come, come, seize the opportunity. Oh, it's scary, I know. What's the suitcase that you need to pack today? Leaving everything else behind and saying, God, I'm stepping into a new destiny and a new purpose. Oh, I've maybe messed up, but today is a new opportunity. Point number three, you've got to kill the regret. One of the greatest things that we perhaps suffer in life with is this, the regret. The regret. As I was studying for this message, I read that there are actually two types of regret. Are you ready? Called the regret of action and the regret of inaction. What do I mean by that? Action means the regret of saying, man, I wish I'd never done that. Anyone with me on that one? Come on, that regret of action. Man, why did I open my mouth and say that stupid stuff? If only I could just take that. If only I could just take that. The regret of action. We're going to call that today the sin of commission. Say that with me, commission. Commission, the sin of commission. But then there's inaction. What is that? That's the time when you say, man, I wished I had done that. Or I wished I had said that. I wished I'd have been more active and involved and engaged. Oh, my goodness. Just that regret, that regret, that regret. We're going to call that the sin of omission. Say with me, omission. And where are you getting that from? James chapter 4 and verse 7. Look at this. It says, Therefore to him or to her, therefore to anyone who knows to do good and does not do it, to them, him or her, it's a sin. So if I know to do it, but I fail to do it, it's a sin. You see, we jump on the sins of commission. We jump on the big sins of doing those things. But the Bible says there's also sins of not doing things. Failing to do the things that we know is right, but not to do them. The NIV version says this, look at this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Failure to do right, yes, but it's more than just to do right. It's the failure of not doing what I know I need to do. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. The church for so long has focused on the commission. Church wants to present today a a list of don'ts. 
Don't do this, don't do this, don't say this, don't go there, don't, 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 don't. Commission, commission, commission. And unfortunately, in most circles today, the church is known more for what it's against than what it stands for. Come on, the church has become too defensive and passive instead of being proactive. Because it's not about negativity and not doing. I have the greatest life I have ever lived serving God. So here's what we believe. Are you ready? Here's what we've presented through commission. We have presented holiness by subtraction. Think about that. We believe that holiness, being pleasing to God, is by subtraction. If I don't do those things, if I don't go there, then I'm pleasing to God. Which is partly true. That's part of it. Because holiness involves subtraction... But there's also another key part that I believe is just as important. You see, just as concerned as we are with the sins of what we do, God is also just as concerned with the sins of what we don't do. And the things that we should have done. So holiness is by subtraction and by multiplication. It's not by just what I don't do. It's by doing what I need to do. Subtraction and multiplication. We talked about this two weeks ago. Is good really God? Good isn't God, but God is really good. So goodness is not just the absence of badness in my life. Because I can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Come on, are you with me today? I can do nothing wrong. I can be sitting there in my room and doing nothing wrong, but that doesn't mean I'm doing what is right. You see, our calling, your calling today, is a lot higher than simply just running away from what's wrong. We're called to chase some lions too. Come on, we're called to be lion chasers. Have you ever heard that statement out there, no guts, no glory? I read this. Listen to this. It says, when we don't have the guts to step out in faith and chase a lion, then God is robbed of the glory that rightfully belongs to him. If we don't step out, we're robbing not only ourselves, but we're robbing God of the glory that rightfully belongs. You've got to kill that regret. Because you know what they say the number one thing that people regret on their deathbed is? It's not what they've really done, but it's what they failed to do. You're never going to hear someone on their deathbed say these words, I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I'd spent more money. They're going to say, I wish I would have clocked out earlier and spent time with the people I love the most. It wasn't about the money and I wished I could exchange all of that because you can't buy happiness and you can't buy family and you can't buy togetherness. Come on, you've got to kill the regret. How do you kill the regret? By taking the proper action today. It's not just by subtraction, but by multiplication. Those around you are waiting. They're looking to you to step up and step out today, to be that hero, that marvelous dad that they want you to be. Oh, but pastor, I don't have much. But pastor, I am not much. How can God use someone like me? I'm glad you asked that because you're number four. Are you ready? 
God wants us to do the best with what you have, where you are. God's not saying when you get more, then do it. God's not saying if you could just go up a little bit higher, then you can be used by me. God is saying to you today, right where you're at, Benaiah, right where you're at, you don't have to wait till you're promoted and everyone sees before you chase a lion into a pit. Whatever the opportunity there is that you have, seize that opportunity. Take that opportunity. In some ways, you could call that maturity. We think maturity is just gray hair. Gray hair doesn't mean maturity. Playing it safe doesn't necessarily mean maturity. And I think in the Christian world, we've labeled that if you're a mature Christian, then you just, you're kind of quieter than what you used to be. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Come on, right now. Man, I want to be in a church where the pastor rolls up his pants and shows his socks. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. People can label that as immaturity or whatever they want to call it. But you know what? I think it's time that we stop labeling something as something we think it is, that we've got to be quiet and reserved because that's maturity. No, perhaps God wants some lion chasers. Perhaps God wants some people to step up right where they're at with what they have right now. I've got good at fantasizing. We've got good at imagining. We've got good at dreaming. If I just had this and if I just had that. But maturity says, I'm going to grab a hold of what I do have right now. And I'm going to use it for God. Look at this statement. If you are waiting to arrive, you'll probably never leave. If you're waiting to arrive, You'll probably never leave. Well, when I get that job promotion, when I get that new house, when I get that, you'll probably be in that old job and in that old house for the rest of your life. Because if you're not willing to leave, come on, you're never going to be arriving. You see, God doesn't want us to arrive. God wants us to be arriving. Because we never get. We've got to keep going. You see, success is what? Making the best of every opportunity. Spiritual maturity is seeing and seizing God-ordained opportunities. I love this. Look at this. You've got to begin to think of every opportunity as God's gift to you. And what you do with those opportunities is your gift to God. It's pretty powerful now. I just want that to sink in. Every opportunity that you have, is God's gift right now to you. But what you're doing with that is your gift back. Are you using that talent to build his kingdom? Are you using your voice to touch? Dad, are you using your position to bring your kids up to know God? Are you being that example? Are you taking that gift and giving it back to God or are you sticking it in the face of God? Your job, your family, your position, your talents, your finances, the decisions you make. They're all gifts from God. You can say, man, I've worked hard for everything I have. Yeah, who gave you the ability to work? Well, well, I went to school to get this job. Oh, that's cool. Well, who gave you the brains to go to school? When when you look at it all, you've got to trace it all back to God. Say with me, back to God. Because He's the source of everything that you and I have. 
And every gift and every blessing that we have is God's. Now what are we going to do with it? Because here's what I know about a gift. Are you ready? A gift has to be given. If not, you're a taker. Come on, if, if it's not something given, then it's a take. Are you a taker? Come on, a gift has to be given. If not, it's a take. What are you today? Give me, give me, give me. Take, 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 take. Or are you given? Number five, you've got to be a good steward. Say that with me, good steward. I love the thought stewardship. It's, it's very important to me because the word steward literally means this. It's a person who manages another person's property or finances. You are managing a family that God has given to you. Your family, your spouse, those around you, they belong to God. God is allowing you to be a steward. This church is God's. He's allowing me to be a pastor steward of this church. We are managing the property that is already God's. And that's where we've got to start. We've got to first acknowledge that it's all God. Because if we want to be successful, success equals stewardship and stewardship equals success. It's a win-win situation. But we've got to be honest because many of us don't manage our time, our talents and our treasure in the right way. We don't manage our thoughts. We don't manage our actions. We don't manage all these things. And we've got to realize if we're going to be a good steward, God requires stewardship inclusive in every area of our life, not just a part of our life. God wants us to be good stewards of every second of our time and every ounce of energy that we have. So when we come across the path with a lion, are you going to be ready to grab that moment? Or are you going to run away? Are you going to be a bad steward and run away? Point number six, almost done today. You can start today. You can start today. I'm so glad about that. The whole gospel message is really this. I know it's Jesus dying on a cross, and that's the gospel message, that he loves us. But the gospel message is also this. Are you ready? Today forward. Today forward. Because he's already taken care of your past. So you can have a fresh start. You can have a fresh beginning Today, you can't go back, but you can allow your past to stop you from going forward. The Bible tells us that Benaiah went on to have a military career, a brilliant military career. Did you realize that he actually became the commander in chief of the whole of Israel's army? But it all started with what most would have considered being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it was a God given opportunity that he refused to step away from. Come on, you've got to stop stepping away from those opportunities. And today you've got to step into it. Maybe you've run every day of your life. Today is the day where you stop running and you give your life completely to God. Beniah was faced with a choice that day, just like we are faced with a choice today. And here's our choices, two of them. Are ready? We can either fight or we can flight. You can stand your ground and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to seize this opportunity. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to stand in the gap for my family, for my life. Or you can flee and you can run. 
Are you going to fight for your family? Are you going to fight for your marriage? Are you going to fight for your home? Are you going to fight for your future? Are you going to fight for your identity? And can I tell you the greatest fighting that you'll do, guys, is here on your knees before God. Today I have a daughter that we've been praying for for two and a half years on the front row who's rededicated our life, moved back home, and is serving God today. The greatest Father's Day gift that any father could have. But for two and a half years, Kelly and I have been fighting hard. And sometimes it felt like we were fighting a losing battle. Because the more we prayed and the more we cried out to God, it seemed sometimes the worse it got. But we dug in and said, devil, no matter what you're going to do, we're not going to flight. We're not going to yield. We're not going to give in. We're going to push in harder. We're going to push in harder. Some of you may look at your circumstances and say, what's the point of going to church? I don't see change. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Oh, the world will encourage you to flight. It's what you see on all the shows today. If he talks bad to you, there's 10 other guys that you could go and find. Come on, that's what the world's promoting today. The world's not promoting a fight. It promotes every opportunity that's available for you to flight, to take off and be happy. That's what you need, to be happy. Happiness is not what God wants. It's holiness, that you would be right before Him. Come on, the enemy wants to win. The enemy wants you to accept His label. The enemy wants you to live defeated. The enemy wants you to fail to take your responsibilities. Here's something that's so passionate to me. Are you ready? Dad is dad, even if not husband. Some of you look at me like, what? I don't care if you're still married to that lady that gave birth to your kid. You're still the dad of that kid. Come on, this is something I'm really passionate about because you can say, man, I I don't have to pay child support. I ain't married to her. It's child support. That's still your kid. You're still a dad. And I'm sick and tired of seeing men shirking from their responsibilities and hiding out. You better stand up and be a man. Be a man. You may say, Pastor, you're passionate about that. You better believe it. I'm tired of seeing people flying And fleeing away from the responsibility that God... Oh, it may be unfair what happened in the marriage. Don't get me wrong. But don't let your kids suffer as a result. You're still their dad. Be their dad. Be their present in their life. Benaiah faces a choice that would determine his destiny. So do you today. You can run away or give chase and be a superhero. You can be a lion chaser today. Maybe you want, you're probably not going to find yourself in a pit with a lion. And that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but I tell you this much, I guarantee you, you've encountered some lions in your life. I guarantee you've fallen in some pits. I'm guaranteed you've weathered some snowy days. Maybe that God-given dream that God has given you stares you to death. Maybe it's a bad habit that you're struggling with, a series of bad decisions. The shame of your past that finds you at the bottom of a pit. But I'm telling you today, only one person can come out. 
Only one person can come out of that pit. And is it going to be you? Or is it going to be the lion? Today, are you going to be a victim? Or are you going to be the victor? You can be the victim and die in a pit. Or you can be the victor and come out. Last point today. Band, you can come back. You've got to surround yourself with other lion chasers. Come on, it's so important, the people that you have in your corner. You've got to surround yourselves with some incredible people. Remember David, the shepherd boy? David takes something that's impossible. You don't kill a lion, but David did that. And he went one step further. He killed a bear too. The Bible says that he grabbed them by their beard. That's arm-to-arm combat. Some people teach that he took a sling and he killed that lion and bear from a distance. You believe whatever you want, but the Bible says he grabbed it by the beard. He grabbed it by the mane and killed it. That tells me something. He didn't throw a stone at it. He ran at it. He ran at it. Come on, I want to be around some Davids today because if I'm around some Davids, then I become a Benaiah because then I chase some dreams and some things that I thought were impossible. But when I see the testimony of other people, come on, you got to surround yourself with people who have weathered some storms. you got to surround yourself with some people who have a trophy over the fireplace in their living room and it's a lion's head. You've got to surround yourself with some people who have a rug in front of the fireplace and it's a bearskin rug. And they didn't buy it from Amazon. Smile. That's something God did for my life. Come on, that's something God did. You've got to be intentional with that. You've got to surround yourself. You've got to be intentional because I'm telling you right now, you'll find the wrong people and the wrong people will find you. You've got to get around other people. Come on, you've got to get in a small group. You keep preaching this, but I know this. You've got to get around other people to do life together. Sign up today. Jump in at any time to a group. Do life with others. Because I need some people that can help me unlearn the fears of my life. I need some people to help me face the uncertainties of my life. I need some people to help me to be courageous. I need to help have some people that are going to help me to seize the opportunities and perhaps first see the opportunities of my life. I need some people that will be around me to say, Philip, you need to be the dad that your family needs. Because that's where true heroes are born. Being the dad, standing up, surrounding yourself. Come on, God's got some lions for us to chase. God wants us to be a lion chaser. God wants us to take on these things and see God work. Look at me today. No matter where you're starting from today, the principle is still the same. Today you can rewrite the story of your life and all you have to do is turn the page and begin a new chapter. Come on. Turn the page and begin a new chapter. Would you bow your heads all over this place?